Welcome to episode number 152, The Anti-Placebo Effect. I am your host, Damon Soka. Just a quick note, before we get started today, if you have enjoyed these podcasts, I simply ask that you share them with two other people. Word of mouth is the best form of advertising, and in the podcast space, one of the really only true forms. This last week, I was reading through several news articles and came across an article about what have been termed anti-vaxxers. Now, for those who do not understand what this term means, this is a group of individuals who possess various reasons for rejecting childhood and even adult vaccinations. There are various concerns and reasons why they do so. Most are not rooted in science and most often have what can be termed evidential stories to demonstrate their beliefs, meaning they know someone or they themselves experience something that has caused them to believe that vaccinations are not safe for them or for anyone. Now, I am not here to enter into a debate about vaccinations. That's not my purpose today. I believe them to be valuable and safe, but I also state regularly to each their own. If they desire to believe, then that should not be my concern or my judgment. Today, I want to talk about what many people term the placebo effect. This is the ability of the mind not to not only believe that something is true, but to feel benefit from simply believing. Now, the name of the placebo effect comes from the sugar pill or the non-medicated pill used during drug trials to root out the power of our belief system in the brain. Now, the brain has a very unique ability to believe that something will provide value, such as medication, and to use that belief to enhance the effects of the medication or the treatment. Thus, if a person is given a placebo or a non-medicine pill, but told that the pill is medicinal, they can and often do believe and even show evidence that the pill is working when no medication has actually been given. Now, we often associate this effect with cheating or deceit, as it has been used at times to sell products and services of limited or no value. For various reasons, not limited to medicine, business and marketing have known about the effect long before clinical trials and have often used it to great effect. Early salesmen who understood the value of the placebo effect found they could sell products that had little value and were even at times harmful, but that by creating trust and belief, the effects of the product could be realized by the individual simply out of belief. Now, we endearingly call these early salesmen, especially in the medical, in the medical trades, snake oil salesmen. They use the power of the mind to create sufficient belief that individuals would indeed find some relief from whatever was ailing them. Because of this early deceit and the many subsequent salesmen that have come after, we tend to think about the placebo effect as a bad thing, as something that is destructive rather than positive. While it is true that this power of the mind has been used regularly by fakes and charlatans, which has caused us to be dubious about almost every product that we buy, the reality is, is that the power of our minds to believe and then to be able to use that belief to create a positive effect in our bodies is actually a wonderful thing. And yes, I said wonderful. While it can certainly be used for terrible purposes, it does have a positive upside. It can enhance almost everything we do. But before I get to that positive upside, that same placebo effect has another opposing but equal effect upon the mind. If we come to the belief that something does not work, then we are very likely to see little or no benefit from it, even if the product has superior benefits to every other therapy we have tried. 
If we somehow come to the belief that it will not help much, then the remedy will have little to no effect. So whether we like it or not, belief plays a major factor in our ability to treat and eventually tame our mental illness. Yes, the saying is true, that whether we believe the remedy will work or whether we believe it will not work, it will become a self-fulfilling prophecy for many people. What we find, especially in the case of mental illness, is that belief goes a long ways to help the cure or the treatment. So it is very important that we understand the sources of our information and those who we trust and we do not trust, because much of what we believe will help and will not help will come from the sources that we trust. This is even true about the illness itself. If we have come from a family that doesn't believe such illnesses exist, we will struggle even believing that we have an illness. This belief itself will cause serious issues with diagnosis and treatment and any remedy. If we come from perhaps a more supportive family, we will more likely believe that mental illness is a treatable illness with varying degrees of severity. The truth is that much of our mental illness journey will be dyed by our family, peers, culture, and society. Our beliefs in all areas of our lives will have positive and negative effects upon our illness. Take, for instance, the position that moods and emotions can always be changed and adjusted, and that you just need to stop thinking about negative things to remove your depression. Now, there are many things wrong with that statement, but if you grew up in a culture and a household that believes that mood and emotion are simply a state of the mind that can be changed by thinking differently, then you will struggle to get the help you need. In fact, you are likely to spend most of your life struggling to control your emotions and mood and never really get the help you need. That is what I call the anti-placebo effect. That effect occurs in a variety of ways and by a variety of means. The anti-placebo effect is all the cultural, societal, parental, and external beliefs that cause a negative effect upon our illness and upon the methods of treatment and remedy. I can tell you that there is far more anti-placebo effects than positive placebo effects in our lives when it comes to mental illness. We often refer to many of these as stigmas. The negative perception of the illness by others, and whether that is one who does not believe in mental illness exists, or just the opposite idea that mental illness causes one to lose sight of reality or you become crazy, both are social and traditional ideas that negatively impact the ability of others to see appropriate, seek out appropriate help and believe that the treatments will be effective. For instance, let's look at just a simple treatment example that, all, that has all types of negative connotations associated with it. Therapy. One does not have to look much beyond the typical characteriz characterization of therapy in the media and social circles to see just how negative the impact is. The media has often characterized therapy as a tool for crazies, for the weak-minded, something that is never-ending and having really a lack of effectiveness. What we often see is the only truly crazy people see therapists, and they talk for years and never really get anywhere. We never see a normal-looking and acting individual having a problem with depression and seeking counseling help that is effective and only takes a few sessions. Media characterization of therapy that has seeped into our cultural characterization has had really detrimental effects upon those who need counseling and help.
I've known many individuals who simply will not seek out counseling because they would be perceived as crazy or weak or that it wouldn't be effective for them. The same is also true for medications. The characterization of mental illness medications have often come from media portrayals of a psych, psych ward where patients are given serious medications that have them comatose and almost drooling. The truth is, is that those cases are rare and medication can be used on a variety of severities with great effectiveness. Much of what could be very effective treatments for many individuals go unused because of the cultural bias we have developed against the idea of mental illness and its treatments. Through our cultural bias, we then begin developing these anti-placebo effects out of our beliefs, where we shun treatments as invaluable before we even give them sufficient time and opportunity to work. Now, it is true that not every therapeutic remedy works for every person. Mental illness is truly an individual illness. But what we are effectively doing in our societies is limiting what few good remedies we have by creating these anti-placebo beliefs. So many of us have come from backgrounds and cultures where mental illness is simply not seen and does not want to be seen. It has been something we hide, we bury, and throw into the closets of skeletons. This causes what I call an anti-placebo effect upon our minds. We must first overcome the negative cultural bias just to accept our illness. And then we push through an even deeper, muddier, and darker bias against the methods which are most effective and have been proven actually very valuable in treatment. To say that a mental illness is an uphill battle is doing it a disservice. It's more than trudging uphill. It's to do so with the weight of all these anti-placebo effects on our minds. It's akin to tying weights around our legs and attempting to summit a steep mountain with no experience, training, or endurance. And for many, it can feel as an impossible task. Many times, we must refrain the belief system before we can even treat the illness. This is likely to mean retraining more than just ourselves. Because even if we can retrain ourselves partially, the anti-placebo effect is and will be consistently in our lives from our culture, social circles, and family. Retraining the mind and seeing cultural bias for what it is takes time, effort, and understanding of the fallibility of human beings. It will often take on new perspectives in the forms of questions and searchings. Far too often, the anti-placebo effect is, the on is only removed when a person comes to suicide or other patterns of deep self-harm. Far too often, individuals do not see the suicide coming because of these anti-placebo effects surrounding suicide itself. We surround ourselves with our bias and our cultural pleasures until we realize that what we believe is causing far more harm than good, but by then, it is too late for some individuals. So how do we alter this anti-placebo effect? How do we help others? The first place is we simply need to see it. See those biases you have built into your own mind and into the minds of those around you. All you have to do is to ask a few questions and you will quickly begin to see just how steeped we are in this bias. Asking questions like, what do you think about mental illness or what do you feel about it? How do you feel about therapy? How do you feel about mental illness medications? How do you feel about altering your diet, exercise, your way of life to accommodate and manage your illness? Now, those are just a small few questions. 
but they will quickly show you and those around you where your biases lie and where the anti-placebo effect is causing issues in your life. Now, changing a bias is far more difficult because bias is not just a rational belief that can be changed by reason. Our biases often have very deep emotional connections and identities. They are not just what we believe, they are a part of us. And so I would not expect someone to suddenly believe that mental illness is real or that medication can be valuable or trying therapy with an open mind. It will take time and effort to change the emotional nature of your beliefs. The one great advantage we possess as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is that we know about a God in heaven who loves us and can provide help and structure to eliminating our preconceived notions about mental illness and the treatments that go with it. Beyond the heavenly help, we can begin to proce- begin the process of belief. Now, this is going to require re- well, this is going to require study and research about the illness methods of treatment, likely effectiveness, symptoms, and really everything that surrounds this illness. If you've learned anything from me about this illness, illness, it is that it will affect every aspect of your life. And so you must study it from every aspect of your life. Once you have taught yourself, then you need to reach out to others as best you can and as you feel. Education is really one of the best ways you will begin to change your negative perceptions and release yourself and others from this anti-placebo effect. Now, finally, back to my thoughts on the positive influences of the placebo effect. Belief is a powerful weapon in our arsenal of management and treatment. Simple things such as saying today will be a good day, positive affirmations when we accomplish something rather than negative ones, detailing all of our failures, Accepting our illness and our weakness for what it is and pacing ourselves to its demands, meaning don't run faster than you have strength. Being patient with oneself, truly seeing yourself as God sees you and not concerning yourself with your personal perception or the world's perception. The Lord can help greatly with this if we ask. I will say right now, you are likely doing far better than you believe you are, and the Lord will tell you that. If we are struggling mightily, then we limit what we do, and we do not concern ourselves with what we cannot do. If I personally can only read a few verses and listen to some heavenly music one day and then do a few of my easy chores, then I need to call that a successful day. When we have a bad day, and we are going to have a few, we need to focus on whatever good we can and discard the bad as best as possible. There is no place in the scriptures where the Lord tells us to judge ourselves harshly and sufficiently. There are, however, many verses about judging others, including ourselves, with great mercy. We need the positive influence of belief on our lives to help us manage our disease. Now, some might say, aren't you just tricking your mind? And I say, why does that matter? If it improves your life and provides benefit, then we should use what the Lord has provided. It is certainly within our brains for a good reason. May the Lord bless you and keep you in his arms. And finally, as always, do your part so that the Lord can do his. Until next week.